Hey, Happy New Year. It's a brand new year, and uh, you know, I was thinking, <clears throat> that's always dangerous. <clears throat> well, there's a scripture that says, you know, what things can be shaken will be shaken. And I think that's what we're seeing, and it's what we're going to see in life, really, that if there's something that can be shaken, it will be shaken. So what we need to do is hold on to what we know. And like the song said, you know, hold on to the promises of God, not what we feel or what we even see, but hold on to the truth of God's word and the promises of God's word. And, and uh, I was thinking also about, you know, the foundation of our church and Acts 2.42 is one of our key verses how many of you know what Acts 2.42 says? One? <laughs> and they, can, they continued steadfastly or, or uh, stuck to the apostles' doctrine, right? What else? Four things. Fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. They, they committed themselves to these things. And this is, this is basic stuff. And that's what we, well, we always have to get back to the basics. Like a good football player is taught the basics. And they always have, you know, and they always drill on the basics. Because if you, if you don't have the basic things, now, I don't care how smart you are, how, how clever you are. If you're not, you know, in the word of God and prayer and in fellowship and breaking of bread. Uh, we don't break a lot of bread recently around here, but... But, you know, you still break bread with your family or with some of the people you're close to. And, uh, you know, that we, that we continue to hold on to those things that are the foundation, the important things for Eliza believers. Uh, uh, I challenge you to go back and read that verse, Acts 2.42. So today, <clears throat> we're, we're technically uh, set to start John 17 today. Uh, who can tell me what John 17 contains? Let's, let's get you guys awake today, first of all. Somebody said something over here. Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, right. It's, it's called the Lord's Prayer. It's not actually called the Lord's Prayer, but it really is the Lord's Prayer, right? And so it's like we've been looking at, you know, this upper room discourse uh, for many, many weeks, and we get to chapter 17, and then we, we kind of get to, like, see into this place where Jesus, what he's praying that's kind of amazing, you know, for us to look in and, and be a part of that. And, and it's written down for us to see uh, what Jesus was praying. So, so to start the new year, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that. But, but before we start John 17, I want to I wanna look at for a couple of weeks is, the, is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, is it really the Lord's Prayer? It's the prayer the Lord gave to His disciples. It's the disciples' prayer, technically and really. Uh, it's, it's brought out two times in the Gospels, okay? I'm going to put uh, the first part of the Gospel of Luke. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he went on and gave uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But this is, you know, something the disciples, one of them saw it. And, and John the Baptist, he's talking about there, he taught his disciples to pray. He taught them how to pray. He taught them to pray. 
And, and so, you know, one of his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray. Now, uh, it's believed that this occurrence in Luke is like a year after the occurrence in Matthew. And so Jesus, it's not something he hadn't already been teaching them by example and, uh, you know, by his words. In fact, his example probably was stronger than what he said to them because Jesus was always going to pray. Jesus prayed all the time. Talk about, you know, pray without ceasing. Well, Jesus showed them. And so, so for the disciples to say, you know, teach us, and, you know, we need to be taught. We need to be taught. I, I need to be taught. I want the Lord to teach me. So we're going to look at that. Let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to look at Matthew's Uh, what Matthew wrote down for us about the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, Matthew, this is found in the middle of uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7, which which form what? The Sermon on the Mount. We're coming alive now here. We're starting to wake up a little bit. It's a new year, but I know it's early. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most incredible teachings in all of, uh, in all of history. But he says there, uh, let's pick it up in verse 5. He says, and, and, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray, and he he begins to tell them. Now, the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that he gave to his disciples, really is is kind of in two parts. It's somewhat like the Ten Commandments, the, the, the first commandments and then the second commandments. The first commandments, you know, between us and God, and the second uh, between us and, and one another. And But it's like that here in the sense of, of who it is that we're praying to. And then after that, he gets to what we're praying for. We kind of leave out that first part. Let's just get right to the meat, right? What I want, what I need. Let's get right to what really matters, right? But, but when we leave that part out, I think we're doing a disservice not only to the Lord because he's worthy of all of our honor and prayer, but to ourselves as well because we pray for stuff and we're not even thinking about who the God is that can and does hear our prayer when we think about who he is well he is you know that he's the sovereign god of all creation the creator when we pray that affects you know our faith that affects us believing that well that's a god that we pray to that can answer you see so I think it's important for us to, to, to stop and just to think about that. So that's the first half of the prayer. The second is, is what we pray for. But first, he gives a whole section here about prayer. And we're going to look at that. In verse 5, we'll look at this first before we launch into the prayer. We'll see how far we get here. Um, 
Excuse me? Verse 5, he says, and when you pray. He starts off by saying when, not if, right? Part of being a disciple is prayer. As I've already said, one of the foundational things is that we pray. And Paul said, as I quoted already, pray without ceasing. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, who was he talking about here? The Pharisees, these, you know, real spiritual guys who had the long flowing robes. He says they loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. He says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now, there's something about this prayer, and and Jesus is getting really to kind of like the heart of of how it's to come about. And, And he says, it's not supposed to be this thing where you want everybody to see you. You know, I think maybe we've all been guilty of this. Or we know, you know, people who pray and they pray such elaborate prayers and, and, and they, they kind of do it. And sometimes we do it so that people will be impressed by how spiritual I am. Somebody mentioned too, and I, and I, and I had to think about this, that sometimes when the, when the minister or the, the pastor prays at the end, he's just repeating his sermon so that people can hear that again. It's not real prayer. So you listen carefully when I get to the end. I'm going to try not to repeat every point. Because prayer is, is, this is prayer, speaking to the Lord, not trying to impress anybody. We don't pray to impress anybody. And it's, again, it's the heart of this. It says, it says that they love to pray to be seen by men. They did it in a way to be seen by men. They didn't love to pray. They loved to pray to be seen, that people would hear them and know how awfully spiritual they are. He says, well, okay, you have your reward. That is your reward. That's it. That's what, that's what you get. That's about as far as it goes. Pastor Chuck said, no, you know, it's not to draw attention to ourselves or to impress people. Prayer isn't like that. So, so he goes on and, and he says in verse 6, but when you pray, he says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. There's something about this that he's talking about here. And people have talked about it through the years, you know, a, a prayer closet. How many of you saw the movie War Room? You know, I mean, she had a, she took a literal closet and turned it into a little a place there, you know, where she put prayer requests on the wall. It was kind of like this picture here. And she prayed. And, you know, stuff, you know, that was going on in her life or relationships. And, and, and she, this was a place that she got alone with God. Now, it doesn't have to be a closet, does it? I mean, if you're like me, uh, you can't even get into a closet because it's so full of junk. I remember hearing Pastor Chuck say one time, you know, we have so much stuff, we just, we just keep building, you know, more closets and, and the garages are full. So then we go and rent storage units so we can have all of our stuff. So it's not necessarily a closet, but it is someplace special. Where is that for you? 
Where is that for me? It, the word literally means a secret chamber, and, and some actually, it also means storeroom. And so uh, David Guzik pointed out, you know, it was like a storeroom where they put their treasures. And isn't that a, isn't that a picture for us? You know, a storeroom, this, this prayer closet where we have, that's where our treasures are. That's where the, the, the most beautiful and incredible things that we own are in this place of prayer that we have between us and and our Father. There isn't a lot of people, there's not, there's not a lot of other people there. The thing about it is it's got to be personal. It's got to be very real. It's not, not something, it's not for a show. It's not where anybody else is going to see, but, but God alone. I found this in, the, in my streams of the desert, uh, speaking about Jesus' prayer it says he went up into a mountain apart. And he would do that a lot, right? He would go up into the hills by himself. And sometimes he would go and have a few others. They would sit and listen and hear him. Yeah, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, for example. But often he would just go up there by himself. Uh, and the writer says here, strength is not in bluster and noise. Strength is in quietness. Says the lake must be calm if the heavens are to be reflected on its surface. Surface, excuse me. Our Lord loved the people, but how often we read of His going away from them for a brief season. He tried every every little while to withdraw from the crowd. He was always stealing away at evening to the hills. The one thing needed above all others today is that we shall get apart with our Lord and sit at His feet in the sacred privacy of his blessed presence. That's something very special, isn't it? I mean, this is what Jesus did. And he had complete communication with the Father, and yet he still felt this need to go and be a part. The sacred privacy of his blessed presence. So this is something that you and I, we need to think about, like as far as the basics in our life, do we have that time? Jesus said he would go off in evening. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's in the morning, though there, we see that in, the, in, in plenty of places in the Bible about the morning. But, but when is it? Is it before you're going to sleep at night? Before you, you know, you're just you and your thoughts and your, and your prayer before the Lord? Is it you have a place? I don't think it's a bad idea to have a place where you just have your, your stuff there. You know, I've got my little stuff that I have, my, my little tablet and my Bible, and, and, you know, it's just these things that are just part of it. My blood pressure monitor. <laughs> I, do use, I do do that every day, but not for that reason. <laughs> Why did I throw that in? I have no idea. Now, does that mean that we should never pray in public? Of course not, doesn't. But Warren Wearsby said this, pray in secret before we pray in public. If you, if you never pray privately with the Lord, you know, what good is your prayer in public? Again, that just makes it look like it's just for show. Because it's not something that's, that's real. That's real to you, to me. There's other places, obviously, Acts chapter 2 and other places in the book of Acts where we see public prayer, 
you know, prayer meetings. They prayed in the upper room and that kind of thing. But I think this private, personal prayer, this has got to be first. This has got to be number one. Verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. They would just say these things over and over again. You know, the pagan religions, you know, that, that's what they would do. They would have these, you know, like a mantra, you know, the, the transcendental meditation, which is not harmless, by the way. But they would have a mantra that you would receive, and, and you would just repeat this over and over and over again. And it would get you, it, would really, uh, it was really designed to get you into an altered state of consciousness. That's not what our Lord's called us to do, to get in some weird altered state. He wants us to be fully conscious and aware and not just repeat these things over and over. You know, even, even you know, we, we know, and many of you were raised this way, that you were taught to say the Our Father, right? How many times? And it was like, you, you know, if you could say it, you know, so many X number of times, man, you were really, you were really spiritual. But really, was there anything in it? Was there anything involved in it? Or just, I got through my, you know, my Our Father 125 Our Fathers today. Wow! Congratulations! Someone said it's not the length of our prayers or how long or how many, the babbling of words, but it's, it's our hearts before Him. It's our hearts. He wants to hear our hearts. One man said this, prayer requires more of the heart than of the tongue. I like that. That's an old guy say that. So he said, don't be like them. Your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. So, so what would you say when you hear that? Why pray? If he already knows, why would I even bother to pray? Well, notice it says he knows what you need before you ask him. It doesn't say he meets them before you ask. We need to ask. James says you have not, what? Because you ask not. There's so many times the Lord knows what you need, but, but he's waiting for, for us to ask. Not only that, though, it's really this, it's this idea of connecting with him and, and acknowledging him. And, and, and prayer, it, it changes us. Again, when, when it's real, when it's heartfelt, when we pray, it changes me. It brings me into line with him, you see. So he, he, he gives some kind of guidelines here before he, he, he launches into this prayer. So, so in verse 9 he says, so this then is how you should pray. These are the words. And what does he, what does he say? He starts off with God. As I've already said, part one, he starts with God. Where do we start? This, this prayer is, is kind of an outline. It's kind of a, a guide for us. It's a model prayer. It's not a magic formula, but it's, it's a kind of a guideline. And what does he, he t- tell his disciples? Because we actually don't see in the, in the scripture, we don't see them repeating this prayer, right? But Jesus said, this is how you should pray. This is, this is kind of a way to start. And where do we start? We start with God. I, you know, as I was studying this uh, this week, I'm thinking, 
I'm thinking about some of my prayers. I'm going, hmm, I think I got this messed up. I got to get this back in line. I got to start with him. You see, we all need to learn. We all need to be taught. Uh, every, every single one of us. And so this, is, this then he says is how you should pray. You need to start with God, not with our needs, not, not with what I want, but with who he is. And, and as I said, that affects our faith. It affects our prayer as we believe him, knowing that, that he will answer. In, 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 these, in these first couple of verses, he talks about God's name, he talks about God's kingdom, and he talks about God's will. God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. There's a wonderful scripture by Solomon found here in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. That's, that's kind of what Jesus was saying, isn't it? Let your words be few. It's not all about how many words you can say. In fact, part of a conversation, half of it should be what? Listening, right. And not, it's not all a one-way thing where we just pray, prayer is just what I say. Uh, you know, what about taking time to listen, to be still and know what? That he is God. To be still, to stop, be quiet and listen. For he is God. Let our words be few. So he starts off with, with our Father in heaven. And, and, and isn't this... I think this is just absolutely incredibly wonderful that he starts off this way, personally. Why? Because isn't that what we need? How many of us have been, you know, have, have had not a good picture of what a father should be? How many of us have been, you know, struggling with this kind of, this is such a huge, huge need. And, and, and the father that we have is like the most incredible, the very best father. Now, even though Jesus said, get by yourself in your closet, in your room, that storeroom of treasures, notice he says, our father. So we, we pray by ourselves, yeah, but, but we know that we're, we're not the only one. We have a whole family. We have a whole family of believers that we're a part of. That's the fellowship part. That's the, you know, iron sharpening iron. That's where you and I need to help each other. That's why we do need to be, you know, face to face if we are able to be face to face, like Chris said. We want you to be here. If you're sick, stay home, please. But we want you to be here if you can. I think it's important. Even though we can only look into one another's eyes, I do this to my kids, my grandkids, and they go, stop that. I'm watching you. You know, we, we need to at least look into one another's eyes. It's our father. We, we're in the same family. Uh, uh, Larry Norman. How many of you remember Larry Norman? Like, that's going back a ways. Uh, what was the song he's saying? If God is our father, then what? Then you're my brother. You're my sister. Then we are family. You and I are related now if we are believers, if God is our father and we have a big family. And, 
and we, you know, we were adopted into the family with many others. Paul said, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, by the Holy Spirit within us. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So you and I have a father. That's where Jesus, you know, he starts off with that. And, and, and that's really about relationship, isn't it? That's about relationship, to have God as your father. You, you have a relationship with God. And he said, that's, how, that's where we start. That's where it begins, relationship with him. But as Solomon said, it's our father that's in heaven too. So even though he's, he's so very near as our father, but there, he begins to now say something about the majesty of who he is, that he's our father in heaven. And, and Jesus, you know, many times when he prayed, he would look up towards heaven, right? And so we, we look up to our father who is in heaven. Matthew Henry, that incredible commentator, he said, the Lord's Prayer as indeed every prayer is a letter sent from earth to heaven. This is a, a letter, it's a prayer that we're sending from earth to heaven. And, and you know what? It gets there to him. It makes it. But he's our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. He goes on in, in the, uh, the next section. What does he say there? He says, hallowed be your name, right? Hallowed be your name. That simply means it's an old word, hallowed. It simply means holy or make holy or holy is. Holy is your name. Holy is your name, our Father. So again, we've got this nearness of relationship with God who is our Father, but we've also got the holiness of God. We, we have no clue about holiness, by the way. Our society has kind of wrecked us in terms of what holiness is because it is so unholy and we take it, you know, we, we, we kind of just see it and, and this is what must be what life is. But, but there's something about the very holiness of God that, that there is no sin in him, that he is completely perfect. The holiness of God, there's got to be some kind of reverence, some kind of uh, appreciation for who he is. This is the one we pray to, our Father who is in heaven, but his name is holy. David said, praise the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, praise his holy name. The worship, this adoration for who he is. We know, and I mentioned this, that one of the Ten Commandments is that we shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Why? Because his name is holy. You know, the, the scribes who wrote down, you know, the Old Testament scriptures, they, 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 they took this to like a, a, the nth degree. You know, they wouldn't even, you know, say the name because it was so holy. And they had all these things that they would do before they would write the name and they would have to go and, and wash before they could write the name. So they would leave it blank and, and wash and then write it a bunch of times. It seems that's how it was working. But the, the point is that the name was so holy, they, 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 
It was incredibly holy to them. Our society, you know, takes the name of God, the name of Jesus in vain all the time. And sometimes we do too. This relationship with God is the holy the Holy One, His name is holy. The name speaks about who He is. Isn't that the Bible, when it talks about someone's name, it speaks about the entirety of who they are. And so we say, holy is His name. Well, He is completely holy. And, and this is the one that we're praying to. should make an effect on how we pray, don't you think? Man, I'm running out of time, aren't I? I'm going to come back to these things, but let's just, let's just speak about the next few real quickly. He says, our Father in heaven, he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to give you an assignment. I want you to meditate on those words, just those just. Those first section there, which is what? Verses 9 and 10. Can you do that for me this week? Meditate on those verses. Just those verses about this Father that we have in heaven, that, that holy is His name, that His kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before You today and we are humbled, or at least we should be, by the words that Jesus gave to his disciples. I pray, Lord, that they would become our, part of our prayer, part of our lives. God, we humble ourselves before you. Great and awesome. Holy God, praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Father, I pray that this year would, this brand new year would uh, maybe bring a brand new focus into our lives that we would spend time with you at your feet. Each one of us, privately, individually, Lord, it would, maybe it's something we've neglected, Lord, forgive us. Something we need, something we want. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We bow, we bow the knee, our knee before you. Today, here, Jesus, we pray you teach us. Teach us, Jesus. We have so much to learn.
pray maybe for someone in, who's hearing these words today, maybe you want to you have a relationship with God. You want God to hear your prayers. and You can have that today. This, this can be a brand new year for you, a brand new life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You can ask Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and, and, and to forgive all your sin because of the cross. You can simply say, Jesus, please, please come in, save me. I believe in you. I believe in the cross that you died for me. you were buried, that you rose from the dead. Come in and save me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?